0: Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose is focused on educating, empowering, and investing in women to support them with harnessing an entrepreneurial mindset to create the change in the world for the greater good. Through this series, we connect with women from all across New Zealand to inspire, teach, and share their pearls of wisdom through storytelling and sharing. I'm Katherine Vandermeulen, the founder of Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. Welcome to Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. We are joined by Vicky Saunders, the founder of Shio Global. How are you?
1: I'm well, thank you.
0: All the way live from Canada. We are very excited. We have only had uh, people so far on this podcast who are based in New Zealand, so we are excited to extend our reach (laughs) (laughs) out to Canada So tell us, who is Vicky Saunders? Who
1: am I? So I'm an entrepreneur, uh, very creative. I love uh, coming up with uh, solutions to challenges that I see in the world. I've been an entrepreneur forever. Um, And I also look at the world really kind of differently than a lot of other people. I've since a young age, I'm 55 years old now. As a young one, I was always interested in doing good. And making money at the same time, which was not a thing back then. Uh, it was all back in the day. It was very black and white. You make money, and then you give it away. Um, and I've always been very interested in what we have now sort of called social entrepreneurship. So, really using the flexibility of uh, the business construct to solve major challenges that we're facing.
0: And so, what are some of the solutions that are spinning around in your mind at the moment to try and solve some of the world's greatest? Problems as you described them?
1: Well, we have 68 of them that we've funded so far with CEO.
0: We're a global community of women who are
1: funding women working on the world's to do list, which is our sort of short form for the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. I mean, we're at this time where we have all of these extractive old business models which harm the earth are not flexible and don't treat people that well. Um, there's just a lot of business practices that need to go away. <laughs> we need to really rethink um, a lot of our systems and our structures, and there's a lot of biases built in. And so at CEO, we're looking for new models and new mindsets and new solutions that women have to solve challenges and not just the kinds of businesses that they're doing, but like how they run the business. And so in New Zealand, for example, um, We have an organization that we funded called Better Packaging, and they have home compostable courier packaging. So if you just think of like Amazon and all of this e-commerce products that people are buying and having shipped to their homes in cardboard, which is, you know, the result of cutting down trees and extractive practices, they have this courier packaging that doesn't go into landfill, but actually can be composted at home. Awesome. And then they have this amazing, uh, flexible workforce Their All of their supply chain um, is thinking about zero carbon, low carbon or no carbon emissions, um, harassment free workplaces, super flexible uh, maternity leave and paternity leave policies. Like everything about their business is about sustainability and creating um, a, a great work environment. And so we look for businesses that are really rethinking um, how we do business and then the what, the solution of like what they're looking for. So we have another company in Canada called the Alinker and they've re and the wheelchair. And it's it's like an adult tricycle that you don't, that doesn't have pedals and you move it with your feet to stay active if you've lost some of your mobility. And it turns out that 50% of people are in wheelchairs um, and can still move their legs, but there's nothing to keep them active. And so they're rethinking what it means to be mobile as you start to lose mobility. All kinds of amazing ideas from healthcare to education to sustainable food. Just a real mix.
0: Wow. And so tell us about your original call to adventure to launching Shio.
1: Um, so I've, I've created lots of ventures along the way. And I've always really been obsessed with how do you create the conditions for people to really thrive um, and to to reach whatever that promise is that they have, that dream that they have inside of them. And so I've been very involved in accelerators, incubators, um, designing cultures of innovation as part of all the businesses that I've done. And I've mostly done technology-based uh, businesses. But the thing that kind of kicked me off with CEO is you know, as I looked at how we defined success in business so narrowly, and it was really about make as much money as you can grow as big as possible win the market, this concept of sort of winner takes all right now, has actually really hurt the planet, and has created unsustainable work environments for people. And so I, I was very interested in how to shift that I personally have been working on businesses like that for 25 years and experienced a lot of challenges along the way where people would be, you know, that is an intangible thing, having a good workplace. It's intangible. It doesn't fit on the balance sheet. Just focus on making more money. And I'm like, how about treating people well? That actually creates more productivity and a better business. Uh, and so I got a lot of pushback along the way for the ways that I was running a business, despite the outcomes I was getting. <laughs> and I always find that's like, so confusing. Uh, and then, you know, the world sort of caught up with Uh, these bad business practices that have just created devastation almost everywhere we look. Uh, And so I think we're very out of balance in the world in terms of how we look at business models and how we look at our role as custodians of this planet. And I I really do think that business has a role to play. We just need to redefine what success is. And so CEO is really about um, getting money into the hands of women entrepreneurs because this is a massive global problem. 51% of the population, women, uh, get less than 2% of venture capital globally. And so this is statistically impossible. Uh, It's like, you can't, this doesn't happen statistically unless there's massive biases built into a lot of our systems. So, I mean, we're seeing it everywhere we turn. Black Lives Matter, all of the inequities and injustices that exist out there that need to be righted in relationship with the planet and one another. So mm-hmm. I'm so excited about what's happening in the world right now uh, as, ha- as hard as it is. And I mean, I, let's look at New Zealand as like the most amazing <laughs> example. We're in five countries and we look at how you are living um, much more in relationship with nature and with sustainable businesses practices, partly because you're on an island and you're so far away from many people, but the, the way that you look at this model of kindness Um, and how to be in relationship with one another. You know, you locked down for four weeks and took care of each other so that you could flatten the curve. And then you look at what other countries have done and they're still arguing about their right to not wear a mask. I mean, it's insane. So uh, you sort of look at the results of this hyper individualistic um, narrative that we've had for the last few decades that's uh, really caused a lot of havoc in the world. That's a long answer to your question.
0: (laughs) That's a wonderful answer. Um, But I want to go back to redefining what success is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we always have been taught, I guess we have been raised in a way in thinking about business that it generally only can be one dimensional. We're Mm -hmm. now starting to see it as a three, four, five dimensional uh, approach to what success is, you know, and putting Mm -hmm. ourselves really at the centre of that and actually making sure that we are the best versions of ourselves. We still have a great lifestyle. And we're not necessarily just pumping all of our, Time and our energy and our resources, so we're actually taking time, and that is the biggest and the greatest resource that we can possibly have. Um, can you, in a few succinct words, define what success means to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, success for me is to be contributing the gifts that I have in abundance every day and be well used. Um, literally the summary of it. So when I, I have learned a lot in my life, uh, running businesses the way that I do. Um, I have lots of wisdom that I love to share. Um, and so for me, it's at the end of the day, feeling like I was radically generous to lots of people, <laughs> contributing my gifts uh, to myself and to others to create a better world. That's, that's it for me every day. It's not about did I, you know, make, 30% more than I did last year, or, you know, it's, it's really this, this practice of, of contributing our gifts, which is, I think what we're all here to find and then to share.
0: Absolutely. So I'm sure on your journey to achieving the success that you have had and achieving your goals and having the impact that you have, there've been a number of trials and tribulations. Would you be open to sharing some of those? (laughs) She takes a deep breath. So
1: many every day. (laughs) I tend to sort of jump off a cliff with my, every time I'm afraid of something, I step into it. It's my, it's my note to self. When I start to feel my heart racing a little bit, I'm like, oh no, I don't know what to do about that. Or, oh, that scares me. I know that I have to walk into that. Um, And I, uh, you know, as soon as I achieve anything that's on my list, I'm like on to the next thing. So, I've had a lot of challenges along the way. I mean, I think, um, I don't even know where to start. Let me just like think about today. (laughs) Um, It's just all day, every day. Um, And I, you know, I think uh, one of the things was when I was, uh, when I was in my early thirties, I had a company that was doing very, very well and was catching a lot of attention. And we had a group of bankers come to us and say, we want to take you public uh, on the stock market. And all of my friends said, don't even think about it. This is crazy. You will get crushed if you go public. And I thought, no, I can do this. It'll be different for me. Um, and they're like, your your culture is so precious and what you've created is so special. It just won't be understood. Uh, and it's not going to fit within that construct. And I just thought I knew it all when I was in my early 30s. Uh, and so I kind of jumped into it and I got mashed up pretty quickly. Uh, and part of the thing that happened was you know, I was, I'd be like, here's why we're special when we were negotiating with this group. And they say, uh, that's intangible. It doesn't fit on the balance sheet. And I'd like, but that's why we're, we get these special results. Yeah, but it's intangible. Doesn't fit on the balance sheet. And I remember, I can still feel the feeling in my body of how I felt at the time where I was, uh, I didn't have the language to explain why doing something differently really mattered, uh, and why it was part of creating our results because we have such a a lockdown view of like this me- mechanistic thinking of how things work. And, um, this group by the end of our negotiation came back and said, we don't want you to be the CEO. We want him to be the CEO. And it was one of those moments where I caved and we became co-CEOs, but I was really the person who should have been the CEO. And I didn't stand up for it myself because I so badly to be successful, which is going public that I allowed that to happen. And I remember looking at my team the next day and everyone looked at me differently after that, that I'd sort of in that moment where it was really my chance to kind of lead and, and stand up for what I valued. I caved because I wanted to be the most, I wanted to win the award, you know, like be the, that's the top of the pinnacle going public. Uh, and it, because I basically um, compromised on my values, I guess, as I look back on it, Mm. Uh, it hurt, you know, like I was out of there pretty quickly. They, um, they kicked me out after we went public and it was really a very painful lesson. Um, and part of the thing I learned from that and, and many other, a million other cuts along the way around this is every time that I sort of used or thought, Oh, it's okay. I'll be able to make it work. It didn't. Uh, and so I've learned that there is, you know, there's a power, you know, how money, money goes out into the world with rules attached to it. And if you don't know those rules, um, and they're not, and, and if you have to learn them, and when you find out what money is attached to what rules, you have to see if that hits with your values, because if it doesn't, it always comes back to bite you, Always. And so I've learned a lot about the power dynamics attached with money. And that's why at CEO, when we loan out money, it's on your own terms to the entrepreneur, 0% interest loans. And because we need to give entrepreneurs the capital that they need to come up with new solutions. And if you impose old rules on it, we're going to get more of the same world. So we've really, I've just learned a lot about the, a lot of the biases that are built into a lot of our structures uh, and our processes that need to be disrupted if we're going to get different outcomes.
0: Is that it sounds like the, of our, and, yeah. the unconditional love, you know, that you're giving it without the without the rules, without the boundaries, without the constraints of how we've always done things. And that feels to me like unconditional, unconditional love. You yeah, spoke about totally. compromising on your values, and mm-hmm. it's something that I hear um, a lot in conversations, particularly as people in our community have at some stage in their life grown up in a corporate world, stepped out, realized that they, you know, weren't living their weren't living their values. And they'd probably spent 10, 15, 20 years not living their values. Mm-hmm. Can you share a bit more about that and how people can actually learn that lesson faster yeah. to actually then go on and to make decisions for themselves?
1: Yeah. Well, I think we live in this giant lie, which is uh, that there's scarcity. I think this is really what I find underneath all of this is we think, well, we have to do this because there's no other choice. I have to have a job. I have to eat, right? There's all these like pieces attached to it. And um, we do not, scarcity is a construct we've created to isolate us so that we think we don't have enough. So we'll be more compliant and follow the rules that someone else has set. (laughs) And we currently live in a world where four people right now have the same wealth as half the planet. There is a game, there are rules attached to it, and it's resulted in this winner-takes-all world. And we've been convinced that this is the only way we can live. And there's not enough for everyone, so we have to go compete against each other to win and step over the next person to get up the ladder. That, to me, is this super broken model that is about us not being in relationship. There's not enough. And so if you shift that around and you start thinking about we live in a world of abundance, this is, this is a very hard thing to get uh, when you buy into the rules and the structure that we've been conditioned in. And this is one of the things about becoming an activator with CEO, a woman who contributes as part of this network, is you have a chance to experiment in a completely different world where we practice radical generosity, which means everybody in this community is asking for help and giving help generously with each other and what you start to realize is when you step into this place where you share what it is that you need and people step in and give it to you because every you know it's we have everything that we need around us all the time we're just not organized in a way to see that we're organized in a way that manufactures scarcity and makes us feel that we don't have enough every marketing strategy is you know there's only three more days there's only two more vacations available it's all like this manufactured like there's not enough and when you start to reorganize things, you start to see that there's so many other possibilities. And so uh, this is one of the challenges I find that we're in at the moment in the world is we're trying to get ourselves, we're in between worlds. This old world that we created isn't working. It's extracted all of the natural resources out of our communities. It's got us believing that there's not enough. We've just got you know so many billionaires and then so many, there's like no middle anymore. Uh, and there is another way to be. And we have to figure out how to organize and be that way. So it's uh, it's a fascinating time that's calling on all of our leadership to create what's next.
0: And I guess it's about creating a bridge to start with between is, that old yeah. world and that new world. And I had always imagined, you know, in thinking about business models, and I was like, I'm sure there's got to be a business model out there that really starts to bridge that. And then I found B Corp. And yes, totally. Uh, and I don't know how big B Corp is. I obviously know that it's huge in the US and it's really starting to take here, but it really defines that new that new world of business and that there is a much better way to approach it. Um, so I love everything that that really stands for in that in that bridging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. B Corp is a transition strategy on the way to something that may look different. You know, I think our future is yeah. going to look quite different.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And so the traits of bravery and courage are two (laughs) leading traits of entrepreneurs. How have they played out in your world? Well, I think it takes courage to step forward
1: these days anyway, and say, uh, and go out and experiment and try new things. You know, that's like, there's an act of bravery attached in that. I think there's an act of bravery attached in um, stepping outside what is, the norm um, and trying something new like i you know everything about she is so different <laughs> than the world that we're living in at like a zero percent interest loan that women gift forward where uh you know we trust the entrepreneurs to divide up the money in a way that creates the highest impact we trust them to pay it back over five years they're spending it on their own terms we trust everyone in our community to step in and and lead on their own terms as well. Contribute if you can, if you're too busy, that's fine. Like everything about it is just, it's not about control. It's not about coercion. It's not about telling people what to do. And I think um, that is, you know, the, there's bravery attached to stepping outside the norm, which is why I am always, I'm so in love with entrepreneurs who have a crazy idea and step out to do something about it. It's so easy to talk about things, to actually to put yourself out there and put everything you've got on the line to try something to create um, a better world, that to me is uh, just delicious. I love being surrounded by that energy.
0: You mentioned the word trust a few times, mm-hmm. and it's certainly something of interest to me, particularly in the business sphere, because I feel like a lot of people there, you know, within that broken model that trust has been lost. And mm-hmm. What do we believe and how do we step forward and what is right and what is wrong? Can you share more about the trusted community of Shee and how you have? Has that been through transparency? Has that been through relationships, conversations? What are the kind of premises of organization?
1: Yeah, well, so for us, we build it into a lot of the experiences you have. So, first of all, when you contribute capital t- uh, as a gift in Shio, uh as an activator, you're trusting that the money will be used wisely right? So you're contributing this money without knowing who it's going to go to. And then entrepreneurs apply. And we trust the intuition of hundreds of these activators who've contributed money to vote. We don't have an expert panel. We don't have some investment committee that, you know, go and decide who gets funding. We trust a huge diverse range of people from 11. I mean, our activators are ages 11 to 95, mothers, daughters, and grandmothers, some who have lots of financial acumen, some who have none, like just a total range. So the diversity of the collective intelligence of people is trusted. So you go through that. And, you know, the first time, like if you're a banker and you're used to like looking at a lot of financials and stuff, you're like, what? You're, you're letting my 14 year old decide as a voter. <laughs> you're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah, just trust that everyone has something to give. Trust that there's interesting mm. perspectives. You know, and so we have a woman in Canada who's the CFO, was the CFO of one of the biggest banks in Canada, and her 14-year-old daughter was an activator, too. And she said it was fascinating sitting at the table discussing this with her. They came at it from completely different places, but they both learned from each other. So there's, you know, there's, you experience this. It seems super weird and radical at first. And then you go through it and you're like, huh, interesting. And then people vote and then um when we selected the ventures that are getting picked, we just did this in New Zealand. And we're just about to announce our semifinalists. Um, we just come together for a weekend uh, at a venture retreat with the coach. And we say there's $500,000 on the table over to you to divide it up amongst yourselves. And you only have two rules. You can't give it all to one. No winner takes all here. And you can't divide it up evenly which is what I think most women would do when they get to know each other. They're just like, I love you. Well, I'll get $100,000 and go home happy. (laughs) You have to actually negotiate and go through this process. And so we trust them to do that. And then we trust that they'll pay it back. And as we witness this and we're more hands off and, you know, they set the milestones, we still have coaches. We still have advisors as part of this, but we're not telling them what to do, how to do it, and what the rules are attached to their money. And that gives you an opportunity to see that things can be done differently. And over and over our community is experiencing the results of trust, the results of trusting one another. And what it does is it deepens relationships. It deepens our experience of each other. We start to realize we have what we need around us. And one of the things that's done for me, which has just been huge, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur who's had all kinds of funding, plus I've been an angel investor. And at the beginning, when we started doing this, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we picked that company. What are we going to like? How is she going to survive? That's that's not even really a business. And then all of the activators who voted for her got behind her, started to help her made introductions. And all of a sudden she's thriving. And I've started to see over and over that when hundreds of women decide that someone's going to be successful and we put our resources to it, it happens. And when in the existing world, you give your money to one person, say over to you and you better get me a 10 X return on my money. That's crazy making. And it isolates the entrepreneur. It makes them feel like they have to do everything themselves. And it's just so much harder and there's less success. But when you bring the bounty of the community together, not just the money, but all of our resources and expertise, you can have completely different outcomes. And it's a totally different experience. And we all feel like we're part of it. So it's, it's just a whole other way. So, Trust is built in at multiple levels across the experience so that we can all witness this together and start to rethink how, how we're living the rest of our life.
0: And that wonderful notion of collective Mm -hmm. intelligence Mm -hmm. and that contribution to that collective intelligence. Yeah. So what does the word purpose mean to you?
1: Um, Purpose is that sort of uh, innate uh, motivator, of like why we're here it is for me anyway the purpose is that sort of core uh, I mean people have called it passion in the past but to me it the the purpose is like why am I here the reason behind it
0: and I'm sure for you to be the best version of yourself and you know heading up Shio across the world you would have a number of daily rituals and routines to make you the best version of yourself. Would you be open to sharing some of those? Yeah, sure. Uh, So the number one thing that my coach said to me years ago,
1: which makes me laugh whenever someone asks me this question is I am habitually (laughs) (laughs) non-habitual. So I wish that I was actually doing, you know, like I have a brother who basically eats the same thing every day and runs every day. And he's like, just, you know, predictable. I was like, gosh, I wish I had that kind of structure in my life and I could do that, but I can't. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, and so I, at the moment, uh, one of the things I get up most mornings and I have coffee with my husband and I reflect on what I'm doing today um, before I get started and I talk some stuff through. Uh, and then I go about my day I, because we're all sort of in lockdown still over here. Uh, I do a Peloton class. I love to work out um, at some point during the day and I can do it at any time now, which is amazing because I'm not traveling. And at the end of the day, I do a deep dive, uh, on gratitude for the day and reflection those, that's kind of like what I'm working on. Uh, I do some meditation here and there. Um, and but like the things that I definitely do every day are practice, uh, practicing gratitude and, um, and reflecting on, what I'm learning, what makes me uncomfortable, what's working for me, what's not working for me. I ask a lot of those questions every day. I'm like, I design my life every day uh, to get in alignment with what's working for me and what gets me excited.
0: And so thinking about the next 12 months, where will your focus on impact be? Uh,
1: the big focus right now is on building the muscle muscle of co-creation and collaboration. Um, I think it's the deepening of relationships amongst and between people, especially of difference is a real focus for us. And so diversity, I mean, the the words people use in the world are diversity inclusion. I like the word difference. Um, Building relationships with people who have different experiences that I do so that we can really understand each other more is a big focus.
0: So thinking about entrepreneurial women with purpose, and we really are building a wonderful community of diverse thinkers here in New Zealand. What is your call for action? That's something that you are truly passionate about that you would like them to take away from this conversation?
1: I, I think the answer to everything is relationships. <laughs> uh, get deeply into relationship with each other and with all, you know, nature. We are all part of this earth. We need to really get the Gaia consciousness in our heads and start to understand how we're connected and all entangled together. And we need to take care of one another in order to, have, to create a life-sustaining society. And that means getting more in touch with nature as well.
0: I've been reading a lot lately on the notion of forest bathing, mm-hmm. which is about kind of getting into the depths of deep dark forests and spending time in Mm. uh, nature and it is that feeling of being one and you walk away from time in nature in those depths and actually that energy is incredible and i think we often feel separated from that but uh, it's only when we return to nature and we actually feel and are part of that experience completely immersed in that experience that we actually feel like we are one with nature
1: a hundred percent agree that i don't know if you've read the book the Overstory, uh, no. but that it's like being doing for this forest bathing in a novel
0: <laughs> it's brilliant wonderful yeah. and immersing yourself yeah well vicky thank you so much for sharing your world of wisdom uh, and the experiences through the lens of your hero's journey have a wonderful day thank you you too Hello World Travel was the founding sponsor of Entrepreneurial Women with Purpose. In the changing landscape of travel, there's nothing quite like the power of local, of having someone who gets you quirks and all, someone who understands how travel should be, understated professionalism with a smile. It's why they consistently have more happy customers, because when you've found someone who knows you, you'll never look back.